Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we tackle our most pervasive fears with truth, because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery, and today Kristen Clark from Girl Defined is joining us to talk about something I think probably all of us can relate to, that shattered dreams and disrupted plans. We've probably all experienced the disappointment that comes from longings unfulfilled, and that can hurt pretty deeply. It can leave us confused. It can create all sorts of questions and doubts. And Kristen gets it because she's been there. Kristen Clark is married to her best friend, Zach, and she's the newly adopted mom to two precious boys from the Ukraine. She's also the co-founder of Girl Defined Ministries, the author of several books, including the one we're discussing today, Not Part of the Plan, Trusting God with the Twists and Turns of Your Story. And she's passionate about promoting the message of God-defined womanhood through blogging, speaking, mentoring young women, and hosting Bible studies in her living room. Basically, she's just a fun-loving Texas girl who adores all things outdoors and is an unashamed dog lover who snuggles with her little mouth to poo whenever she can. <laughs> well, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today. And I would love for you, in, in, throughout your book, one thing that really struck me is you talked a lot about remaining hopeful, remaining strong when disappointments come, when, when things don't turn out as we had expected or as we dreamed. I would love mm-hmm. to, to, if you could just share a little bit of your story with our listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Thanks for that really kind intro. So my husband and I have been married for 10 years. So we celebrated 10 years this past summer. And I remember thinking on my wedding day that life was literally perfect. I remember walking down the aisle, I'm heading off to my honeymoon and just thinking, I have the good life. Like everything is going exactly the way I would hope for. I'm healthy. My husband's healthy. God provided this incredible godly man for me to marry. Both of our families love us and love each other. And they're all believers. We're involved in this really great church. And I just remember thinking, what could go wrong? Life is perfect. I I remember almost even feeling guilty. Like it's almost too good, you know? And little did I know what the next decade would bring. And it would not be the perfect life that I had imagined. In fact, it would be the opposite. And that journey would include many, many years of unexplained infertility, which I'm still on that journey, three miscarriages, and the unexpected journey to Ukraine to adopt two boys and to become the mom of two precious boys that I loved to death, but never saw coming in the middle of a pandemic, by the way. So little did I know that's what God had in store for me on that wedding day. So yeah, early on first two years of marriage, my husband, were op- we were open to having kids, my husband and I, but we weren't necessarily trying. I'm just excited to be married and build a strong foundation, but trusting God with the timing. And I remember thinking, you know, Lord, whenever you want to give us kids, we are open. My husband and I both, like, we are surrendered. We are open to your timing. And I had no idea that prayer, what that really meant. (laughs) I thought it meant, yes, any day when you're ready. But really, God, what God knew was like, it's going to be a different sort of trust that you're going to have to trust me with me not giving you the children that you desire. And so 
two years of marriage hit and I did get pregnant, um, but that tragically ended in miscarriage around six and a half weeks. And um, that just totally blindsided me. I know a lot of women have miscarriages first time around, but I just didn't see it coming. I kind of joke that I'm from a long line of strong birthing women because my mom birthed eight kids, most of them home births without an epidural. So I just thought, you know, I'm going to probably have some issues in life, but fertility, infertility is not going to be one of them. Um, So here I am experienced this miscarriage. Six months later, I get pregnant again. And the second time around, I do remember praying with my husband, like, Lord, help us to trust you with whatever the outcome is, because we know nothing's a guarantee. Six and a half weeks, exactly. I miscarried again. So that was really devastating because, you know, of course I Googled back-to-back miscarriages. How common are they? And it was like less than 2% of women will experience back-to-back miscarriages. So here I am grieving this second loss, devastated, and now realizing I fall into this tiny percentage of women and wondering what in the world is wrong with my body. Um, So that sent my husband and me on this journey of getting tested, You know, dozens of doctor's visits, all sorts of tests, blood work, ultrasounds, you name it. We had pursued some kind of minor fertility treatments. Nothing was working. Um, And after all of that, you know, it had been five years, we were left with nothing but the diagnosis of unexplained infertility. So we were so confused. I, I did not go a day without praying that God would bless us with a baby. That was the desire of my heart so deeply. And throughout that time, God just, wow, it was a faith strengthening journey and a really eye-opening journey for me to see that although I had been a Christian for many years since I was a young girl, I was having to trust God and to trust His plan for my life and trust that it really was His best plan for me, despite the fact that it was nothing like I had been praying for. So for me, around eight years of marriage, um, that was the lowest point in my entire life. And that was after this this third miscarriage that seemed like it was going to go really well. The, The heartbeat was strong. The blood work was looking great. And I remember going in for my 11 a week appointment, which I I had appointments almost every week because I was considered high risk with my previous history. And I remember thinking, wow, like I was really starting to hope this pregnancy seemed like it was really going to work out. And I remember going into the appointment and getting the ultrasound and my doctor got really quiet. And I'd been with this doctor from the beginning and she just looked at the screen and said, I am so sorry, but there isn't a heartbeat. And in that moment, it was like a gut punch I had never experienced before. The grief, the shock, the disbelief. Thankfully, my husband was with me and he just came over and grabbed my hand as I'm still laying there and just held me, squeezed my hand. And we both just started crying. And the doctor said, I'm so sorry, I'll give you a few minutes and left. And we just hugged each other and cried and cried. And I remember going home with my husband. He took the rest of the week off work and I took the rest of the week off work. And we went home and I just said, through my tears, I don't even know how to process this. I don't even know how to move forward. Like, this is so shocking. I can't believe this is happening How could this happen? Why is God doing this? How could he let this happen? And my husband was so kind and sweet. And as he's even grieving, he sees my place. Um, Just he could see that I was struggling with even God, wrestling with anger toward God. How could God do this? What a cruel trick. Why would he do this to us? Um, and he just said, let's, let's just read scripture. And he just started reading scripture. He looked up some books and some resources and immediately ordered some stuff on Amazon for how to process grief biblically. He's like, we need some resources. We cannot do this alone. And I remember in the days following, I didn't want to open my Bible. I didn't want to read it. I didn't want to listen to worship music. I didn't want to pray. All of the things that I had always turned to, it felt repulsive to me. And I had never felt that way. And that was scary for me as a believer who'd been a Christian for so long, walking with the Lord, even through other miscarriages, I just thought, wow, where is my heart going? I knew my emotions were lying to me. I knew that I was viewing my circumstances uh, or I was viewing God's character 
through the lens of my circumstances rather than viewing my circumstances through the lens of God's character. So I said, I need to be in the word and reminding my heart of who God really is, who he says he is. So I just did a quick Google Google search and looked up the names and attributes of God. And I found a 30-day prayer calendar and each day just had one name or attribute of God with the verses for where it was found in scripture. And I just took baby steps and I said, God, help me to believe in who you say you are because my heart is struggling to do that right now. And I'm telling you, those 30 days, one day at a time of reminding my heart of who God truly is and asking God to help me believe that about him that slowly but surely revived my heart. Now, at the end of 30 days, I was still grieving, but my heart was trusting in God again. My heart believed that God was who he says he is, that he is a good God and that he has his plans and purposes, even though we don't understand, even in grief, even in loss, um, God is still a good and faithful God. Um, So that was life-changing for me in that moment, um, a real pivot point. Wow. So do you think you would be where you're at now if you hadn't turned to scripture during that period? No. I don't think I would have, or I don't think I would be because I am a really emotional person. (laughs) My emotions can get really high and really low. I know a lot of women can relate to that. And, and I was, my emotions were big. Of course, after such a great loss, there's a lot of grief and there's a healthy way to grieve. Um, But my emotions were, were telling me lies about God. And if I had not intentionally, even though I didn't feel like it, it's not what I felt like I wanted to do. If I had not gotten in the word and read truth about God every single day and just prayed a prayer of God, help me in my unbelief, help me. I don't even want this, but I I know it's what my heart needs. Um, If I hadn't done that, I think I would have continued to spiral down into a much darker place. And I, I don't know where I would have landed, honestly. And that's scary for me. But at the same time, I am so grateful that the Lord pursues us that his mercy is new every morning, that as we pursue him, um, he gives us grace for each, what seems like even minutes sometimes, minutes and hours, he gives us grace to take the next step, to trust he is, he is gentle with us. He's mindful that we are but dust, like the Psalms say. He's near to the brokenhearted. And I felt that nearness of the Lord in ways I never had outside of that time in my life. And so, no, I don't think I would be where I am. And I'm so grateful the Lord, that the word, his word really changed my heart. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. You know, maybe for those who aren't used to looking in scripture. So how did you actually find those mm-hmm. characteristics of God? And then what, what, um, like how much of a section did you read? Kind of just guide us through that. Yeah. So we actually created a free resource at Girl Defined. Um, you can go to girldefined.com slash God. We talk about it in not part of the plan, but I wanted women to have re- this access to this thing that was so life-changing for me. So 
what we created is just a PDF that you can download and it has 30 days, just like what I worked through. And it has a name or attribute of God. And then the scripture that you can look up to read about where that name or attribute comes from in scripture, because God is called by so many names and there's so many attributes that describe him. And so that I hope is a helpful resource for anyone listening who's thinking I am in a dark place or I am struggling to trust God, or I just don't feel that interested in God. I'm going to church. I'm a believer, but I just feel like my faith needs to be renewed in the truth of who God is. And I think as we, it's, it's hard to put our trust in a God that we're unfamiliar with, right? So we can go to church. We can, we can do all the things, um, the routines of being a Christian. But if we start to lose sight of who God is, it's hard to find joy in him. It's hard to trust him because we don't know his character. So this tool, I hope, can be a huge resource in helping anyone listening to find their hope in the truth of who God is. And this will break it down and make it really easy to do one day at a time. That's awesome. And you do talk, which I would also recommend to, to get the book for those who are listening. I've read it. I've read the whole thing. It's awesome. And in it, you talk a lot about hope, the importance mm-hmm. of hope. What are some ways that you intentionally cultivated and held tight to hope when you were in that really dark place or even just yeah. kind of coming, you know, just the grief in, yeah. in that place of grief? Yeah, that's such an important piece and something we really unpack and not part of the plan. For me, so much of it had to do with where I was finding my hope, right? So if I am as a Christian finding my hope in the next thing that I'm longing for, which for me for years was getting pregnant, having a pregnancy that would make it full term, finding answers to this diagnosis of unexplained infertility. Um, should we pursue treatment? It was just all consuming for me at times. And I found myself hoping in the next solution, right? The next thing that's going to get me this thing I'm longing for, this thing I'm praying for, this thing scripture says is a good gift, children. Um, and so as I would do that though, it's so interesting. Um, we, we are not designed to find our ultimate hope in, in things in this earth. And as I would look to those things for my hope, I would truly start to feel more hopeless and more fearful and more anxious and all of the what ifs. And what if I never get pregnant? And I had, um, one of my sisters one time in a very loving and gracious way, just asked me, she said, do you think if God never gives you children, do you truly believe that he would be enough? And I remember instantly getting defensive and shooting back. Well, of course, of course he would be enough. God is always enough. You know, like the Christian answer. But it really got me thinking and I went home and it. I started doing some soul searching and I realized that no, at this point in time, I don't think I would be fully satisfied in Christ if he doesn't give me this longing of my heart. And so that really opened my eyes to see that my hope was placed in getting my prayers answered rather than hoping and praying for that, but ultimately finding my hope in the eternal God, the God that is the one who can satisfy us in our relationship with him, the God who says to believers, your job is to make disciples, to love me with your whole heart, to love your neighbor as yourself. Your life is ultimately not about you, but about you pouring out and serving and loving others as I have done for you. And so as as I slowly but surely said, God, help me to lift my eyes off of my circumstances, off of my longings, to look to you as my ultimate hope, to look to you as the eternal God that one day I will spend all of eternity with. To remember building your kingdom is my primary goal on this earth, not just to get pregnant. That's when my heart started finding true hope. And so I would just encourage anyone who is feeling hopeless, really ask yourself, what are you placing your hope in? Is it in something that you're longing for, a prayer, a desire, or is your true hope anchored in your relationship with God? Wow, that's awesome. You know, I know too, waiting periods can feel like they go on forever, right? Yes. And so how long you, when did you adopt your boys? So we adopted our boys after our third miscarriage. It was probably um, maybe two years after. So currently, or I guess I'll just give a date. So we adopted them in April of 2021. 
So that is when we officially brought them home from Ukraine. But even that whole journey wasn't, I never saw it coming. I I have friends who are like, from the time they're little, they're like, oh, I I love adoption. And we have this passion. And one day I want to adopt. And and it's so beautiful and so wonderful. But I think just maybe selfishly, I don't know. I never had that passion or desire. And so God really did a 180 in my own heart. And for years, people asked me, you know, are you going to adopt? You should adopt. There's so many orphans, so many kids in need. You and your husband would make great parents. And there was just this tension in my heart of like, well, I don't just want to jump to that as the solution. Like, okay, God, well, if you don't give us kids, here's the solution. But at the same time, I wanted to know biblically, what does God's word say about this? Is this something he would have for us? But I also saw a lot of fear in my heart. Just, I I had been through so many losses and I thought, what if we pursue adoption and it falls through? What if it doesn't work out? What if there are, you know, massive pitfalls and roadblocks in that journey? Like, I just don't know if I can handle it. But God really did a 180 in my own heart and my husband's and just helped us to see the beauty of adoption the parallels with the gospel, how we're all orphans and God is our father adopted us into his family. He gave us a new name, a new identity, a new inheritance. And the more I saw the gospel and adoption and the beauty of it, I feel like the fear that had been gripping my heart was lifted. And I was able to, to genuinely pray, Lord, if this is something you have for us, open doors you know, give my husband and me, and we were both praying this, give us unity as a married couple. That's what our elders at our church said. You know, God often works through the unity of your marriage. So if you're both unified in this decision, you can move forward, you know, see what God has for you. And and for years, my husband and I were not unified in that. And God brought unity and aligned our hearts and our desires. And we started a journey toward adoption. And it was a one-year process. It was very fast, all things considered, in the middle of the pandemic. And God led us to Ukraine And we brought home two boys, ages 10 and six, and God answered my prayer for motherhood. You know, all these years, I had no idea that's how he would answer it. But it really took me getting to a place of fully surrendering every, all my dreams and plans, and even how I thought I would become a mother and fully trusting God and saying, okay, God, I am open to whatever you have for us, lead us and we will follow. Wow. Well, that kind of reminds me of something you wrote on page 20. So you said at the end Mm. of the day, It's as simple and as complicated as this. Either God is 100% sovereign and good, or he's not. There's no in between. Mm. So just unpack that a little. Like what, when that kind of hit you maybe and, and why that's so important. Yeah. You know, as Christians, and I know I wrestled with this, like, okay, God, you're, you're good. You're good. If all these good things happen to me, right? If my life plans unfold somewhat in the order I'm hoping, you know, you get married and then you want the next season. Okay, now I want children. And and I really had to come to grips, like either God is 100% good and sovereign over all things, or he's not. We can't say, God, yes, you're good, except when you don't give me what I want or you take away something good from me. You're not good anymore. God doesn't change. Our circumstances change. We go in and out of mountaintops and valleys and grief and joys, Throughout our whole life, we have a lot of change, but God shows us in his word that he never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so as believers, I think we will find so much hope, so much stability in our own hearts if we truly, truly believe what scripture says about God being the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and trusting that he is good, no matter what our life circumstances bring, um, and that he is sovereign. And that if we can't place our trust in him, where can we place our trust? Like in my changing circumstances, that's not a hopeful outcome. So I think as believers, sometimes we just have to remind ourselves the truth of who God is. And then as we do that, we, we find a lot more stability in our faith. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of another quote actually from your book (laughs) that I loved. And so you wrote what you choose to believe about God in the deepest, darkest corners of your heart will drastically Mm -hmm. impact the way you respond to all of life. I would love for you to unpack that. 
Yeah, same kind of idea. And that's what I was wrestling with, seeing God's character through the lens of my circumstances. When I was getting married and my life felt perfect, God, you are good. I praise you. You are awesome. You know, all the praises, all the worship, all the things. And then as my life took that downward spiral and all the unexpected twists and turns happened, I, in the deepest, darkest corners of my own heart, started questioning a little bit about who God is, questioning his character, questioning his plan. It's easy for us to say, to say, God, I trust you. And then when he brings a twist or turn, we question, God, why would you do this? God, don't you know my plan was better? And we might not verbalize that. I never verbalized that out loud, but in my heart, that's what I was thinking. God, you're missing the boat. Like you are behind. I mean, I'm, I'm like five years of an infertility. God, don't you see me? And it's, we kind of take the position of God and we put God in a box in the deepest, darkest corners of our heart. We are, we are praying to a God that's not even the true God as he reveals himself in scripture. We're praying to the God that that we want him to be in some ways, but really we're becoming the gods, right? We're saying, I know better than you and it's pride. Um, so God really helped me to see in my own heart, wow, that is pride. I am telling God I know better than him. And so humbling myself and saying, God, help me to humbly submit to your plan, the good and the bad. And to, to recognize that even through these dark valleys, you're doing something. I don't know what, but I do know one part of that is that you are, you're sanctifying me and you're, you are helping me see that my ultimate need isn't just to get what I want, but to grow in my relationship with you, to grow in Christlikeness. And, and so often that only happens through the valleys, through the trials that that refining work takes place. So yeah, I think what we do believe about God in the deepest, darkest corners of our heart will impact the way we respond to all of our life circumstances. Wow. Well, a similar, so you, you have mentioned viewing our circumstances through his character, not the other way around. But you also talk in the book about viewing his character through the cross. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I think sometimes we can have this perspective of God that he's like this gray haired man sitting on this big throne, just looking down, detached from humans, um, ready to squash us if we make the wrong move. You know, I think movies can portray God that way. And sometimes we might come to the faith and still have some of that lingering, right? That our perspective of who God is. But when we see the cross and we see a God who sent his only son into our dirty and broken and lost world to live a human life, to take on flesh, 100% God, 100% man came to serve, not to be served, to give his life as a ransom for many, to obey the father wholeheartedly, 100% obedience, um, and ultimately came to love us and die for us, to take the punishment that we deserve for our sins, to take that upon himself, to rise from the dead, to conquer death. When we see our life through the lens of this God who loves us so deeply that he was willing to become one of us, to walk with us, care for us, cry with us, heal us, um, and ultimately die for us. We don't see a God who's detached from human suffering, but a God who has suffered greatly. He is acquainted with grief, as the scriptures say. And so when we see God through the true lens of as he reveals himself, we see a God who is near to the brokenhearted because he experienced grief. He experienced loss. He experienced excruciating pain. 
took the sins of the world on him, right? And so we can, I think, find so much comfort in that as we look to the cross and we see that savior, that true, that true savior. We see, wow, that is a God who understands what I'm walking through right now. Wow. And your sister, she's, you mentioned that she asked you if God was enough. And mm-hmm. you talk in the book, you talk about how if we're not content with what we have today, that we can't be content or we won't be content with whatever happens tomorrow. So I would just love to hear hear you unpack that as well. Yeah. Contentment is one of those words that we might think, okay, I'm, I might, I'm discontent. If I could just get the thing I want, then I'll be content. And so we think the solution to our problem is getting the thing we want, but really it's, it's not <laughs> because I know for a fact, and we see examples of this in scripture, one that comes to mind, I think we talk about her in the book, um, not part of the plan is Rachel. And we remember Rachel from the Old Testament and she was crying out for children. So I related to this story, like Rachel's longing for children. She's crying out. She tells her husband, give me children or I will die. I mean, it's serious, right? I never said that to my husband, thankfully, but I felt it. (laughs) And she is crying out for children. And what happens? Eventually God blesses her with a son. And what does she say right after she has him? I, this isn't quoting scripture, but she says something to the effect of great. Now give me another one. (laughs) Like, thank you, God. Now I give me more children. And I think that is the lie of the enemy that we think the solution to my discontent heart is just getting what I want. But really the solution to our discontented heart is turning turning to God and saying, God, I trust you in this. I trust that you're not giving me this good thing for greater reasons that I don't understand. And because you see my life story from the beginning and to end, and you're working all things out for your ultimate glory um, and my good, even my sanctification through the hard, help me to trust you and to fully surrender to you in this unfulfilled longing. I know, and I I came to understand this, that even if God gave me a baby, a pregnancy that went full term, healthy baby, all the things I was praying for, if my heart was looking to that for my satisfaction, I knew it wouldn't be, it wouldn't satisfy. I would get to that season and then I'd be up all night, not sleeping and all the, the trials of early motherhood. And I would probably thinking, okay, God, well, now what? You know, or I'd be like, Rachel, okay, thank you for this gift. Now give me another one. And so the discontented heart cannot be satisfied by getting what we want. It can only be satisfied as we look to the Lord and find our satisfaction in Him. Amen. So I, I know when you were in your really rough place that you said your husband kind of, I guess, lent you his strength in a way. Yeah. And so just talk to me about the importance of having someone, whether it's a, a spouse or or maybe a friend, ab- about the importance of having someone to kind of lean on. Yeah. Oh, we need someone. We are not designed to live this life alone. You see in scripture over and over again, God or the the Bible using this term, the body and saying, don't be disconnected from the body. We need each other. Every part has a place and we can only really be a part of the body as God intended if we're involved in a local church, because the local church is where the body meets and gathers and the one another's are lived out as we serve and pour out and minister and are ministered to. So that is a crucial part of walking out our faith. We're not not meant to be solo Christians. We're meant to be Christians within a body, within community, because that's God's plan. That's his good design for us. And so for me, having my husband, having my church community, they were also very involved. I was, is, and am in a small group. And that has just been so life-giving. I also have a mentor and it's a godly older woman that I meet with every few weeks. And we just talk about life and prayers. And she takes me to scripture when I'm struggling with something. She speaks truth into my life. I can bounce things off of her as I'm wrestling with stuff. And having a godly woman like that to speak into my life personally and practically and regularly has been so huge, which is why 
at Girl Define, we're very passionate about mentorship because we've been so impacted by it that we want others to experience the same, just the beauty of that tightest to older women mentoring younger women. So for anyone listening who might feel lonely, um, which is, I know a lot of us, we are so connected with our smartphones and our podcasts and all the the things, but then we can be so disconnected relationally. And so I would encourage anyone who feels lonely, who feels disconnected to really lean in, to take proactive steps, to get involved in a gospel-centered, Bible-believing church in your city. Don't wait for someone to reach out to you. Don't wait for someone to initiate. You be the initiator. You be the go-getter. Take those faithful steps because you see in scripture, it's God's good plan for us. And then lean into relationships, initiate relationships. Um, I would even encourage you as far as ask an older godly woman to be your mentor. It's been huge for me. And you might think, I don't even know where to start. I would say step one, just pray. Start praying today that God would provide a godly mentor for you. Two, open your eyes and start looking around in your community, in your church, if you're in one. If there's a woman where you look at her and you think, wow, I really admire her as a godly woman. I would love to become like her one day. (laughs) If there's a woman like that in your life, there's your mentor. Um, Three, take a proactive step to actually ask her if she would consider mentoring you. We have a lot of resources at Girl Define on how to take steps, how to reach out, what this can look like, but that is something huge. So if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling just lost and you're wrestling and you don't know, don't have someone, take these steps that I just talked about because that can really change the course of your life. One last question. How does trusting God to write our story, how does that impact our relationship? Mm. Oh, it impacts our relationships. Huge, right? When I was not trusting God to write my story, you know, we use this illustration and not part of the plan of God being the master artist. He is truly the one holding the paintbrush of our life story. He is the one painting every stroke. But so often we see this picture unfolding and we're going, no, 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 no. This is not what I wanted. We want to take that paintbrush. We want to take that pen, take control, stop trusting God and take matters into our own hands. And as we do that, personally in our lives, we become very discontent. We become very anxious. We we react out of fear because we don't want this thing to happen that we we fear or we want something to happen that's not happening. So we try to take control. We manipulate. Quite frankly, we become women that are not a lot of fun to be around. <laughs> and I saw that in my own life and my own marriage. I was I even noticed small ways that I would, because I wasn't finding my full satisfaction in Christ because I was wanting this so bad, kind of starting to try to manipulate and just I was becoming addicted to researching, you know, solutions to my health problems and my infertility. And and there's nothing wrong with researching, but for me, it was becoming like, I have to find a solution. Like it is up to me to fix this. Then I noticed I started becoming much less patient, even with my husband and just much more irritable. And it was affecting my life in so many small ways that I didn't even realize until I kind of took a step back and God helped me to gain some perspective. So yeah, women who are walking um, in the flesh, and not trusting God, not surrendered, not finding our ultimate hope in Christ, we are not going to be women who exude the joy of Christ as He has for us. Um, and that can be hard to be around. And we just don't, we become very self-consumed. We're not women who are pouring out and looking for ways to serve others. We're mostly just looking for ways to serve ourselves and to get what we want. And that is not what God calls us to as believers. So when God talks about the abundant life in Christ, it's such a true statement because as we walk faithfully in, in trusting God with our life stories, regardless of where they take us, we trust in the constant character of our God. Um, that is truly where the abundant life is found. Amen. Well, let's close in prayer. 
Good idea. Dear Jesus, first, I just thank you for where you've taken Kristen and her sister and this ministry. I know you're speaking to so many through it. And we lift up our listeners who are listening today, who are struggling with disappointments, with grief, with uncertainties, with life plans that maybe they don't know where you're taking them, or maybe they feel like you're taking them in a direction that they'd rather not go. We just pray that you would reveal yourself to them, reveal your heart mm, to them yes. and use this as an opportunity to deepen their faith and their, their understanding of you. Thank you that you are okay with our questions and you're okay with yes. our doubts and that you walk beside us in those. And I just pray for a blessing over Kristen and her ministry as well. And over her, her little boys, we thank you for the gift of life and the gift of family. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. We hope that today's episode gave you some encouragement. We'll put some information in our show notes so that you can connect with Kristen and get some of those resources that she talked about. We would encourage you to subscribe. Then you won't miss a single episode and make sure to share it with your friends. And we'd also be encouraged if you would rate it. That helps others to find it and it encourages our team as well. Well, until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. I'm Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform.